get your outline and uh, scriptures that we had been looking at. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our own likeness and let them have dominion. Then go to Malachi chapter 3 and uh, verse number 7. Even from the days of your fathers you're gone away from mine ordinances. So God's talking to lawbreakers here, isn't he? People have broke the ordinance or commandments of God. You've not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you. It's good that God will let us return, isn't it? Amen. Somebody, we were talking to a lady. Yes. This? Both of them or one of them? Well, you got two different things here. Which one do you want? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> we were talking to a lady yesterday, and uh, she was from that school that sins every day kind of stuff, you know, and don't know where she's going to make it or not, and there's a specific day that she's going to go. God, you know, her number may come up today while she's in sin kind of stuff, and, and, uh, and she's hoping that she's going to be good enough to go, and uh, it's nice that we know that we can return to God. I said, look, it, she said, what would I do if I, if I did sin? I said, well, just jump on 1 John 1, 9, you know, because we we've got a good, kind Heavenly Father, don't we? Amen. He says, if we'll confess, he'll, he's willing, he's eager to forgive us. He's just standing there waiting for, for his people to come back to him. So here he says, return to me, and I will return to you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? You know, ignorant of the fact that they hadn't even gone away from his ordinances. Wherein, it, it, why do we need to return? Where shall we return? What, what ordinance shall we return in? Then God said, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, Wherein have you robbed me? And of course, the answer that God gave is in tithe and in offerings. Now go back to the book of Genesis to chapter 14. And I don't think we looked at this one last week. We're going to enter into a new arena today. Genesis chapter 14 and verse number 18 says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. <clears throat> Sometimes I, people read scriptures and, and they just pass right by stuff. And, and I don't know, it just seems to jump out sometimes at me. And I see something uh, that, that, that I had never seen before. And uh, you may have seen it, and you may have talked about it, and, uh, and this may not be anything different to you, but I thought that rather strange when Melchizedek brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And I'm going to read a scripture to you in just a minute in uh, Hebrews where Jesus Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So Melchizedek in the Old Testament is a uh, foreshadow, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're seeing Jesus and his work here in Melchizedek. And I noticed that Melchizedek brought to Abraham bread and wine. Just like Jesus said, you know, this bread 
is my body broken for you. He brought bread and wine. He brought the wine, which was representative of our redemption, of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So I thought it rather strange that that jumped in. Now, that's not what we're talking about today, but, but that just jumped out when I went by that. So there's more, there's similarities between the office and work of Melchizedek and that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Melchizedek, verse 19 says, he blessed him. In other words, Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, blessed be Abram. He was Abram at this time of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, Abraham, gave him Melchizedek tithe of all. So Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to see the similarities here. Hebrews chapter 7. Actually, the last verse in chapter 6 says, Whether the forerunner is entered, wherefore the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest after the order of Melchizedek. For, chapter 7 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all. So he gave all the tithe to Melchizedek, who was a, as we said, a foreshadow or type of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about tithing today as it relates to our dominion or our dominion as it relates to tithing. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever been in a position of authority in the secular world? Maybe in your job or something. You were a supervisor. You, you were a uh, manager. You were, quote unquote, the boss, so to speak. And, and what you said, people did. So in, in that area where you were, were given the authority, you exercised your dominion. That was your personal domain, so to speak. You, you exercised dominion in, in that area. Well, in, in, uh, in the Bible, it tells us that we have been made kings and priests with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are kings and priests. We are under rulers under him, so to speak. Now, a king has a kingdom. Every king has a kingdom. And in that kingdom, that, that kingdom is his domain. So we're, we're beginning to get the word dominion now, you see. So in, in, the, in the kingdom, he exercises dominion within that, within that kingdom. The Bible tells us in the, I believe it's in the book of Ecclesiastes, where the word of a king is, there is authority. Where the, word, where the king speaks in his domain, people do, people obey People follow his orders or his instructions. Whatever he says goes. Uh, it's kind of uh, a decree, so to speak. And he, the king doesn't even or can't even back up on his own word. Once, once he had spoken it, once he had set it into motion, it had to be. There was no, no reversal. There was no going back. There was no, no going back and changing what he had said. The orders that the king had given were to be followed through. So... In, 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 uh, in spiritual matters, the same is true. When God speaks a thing, it's done. It's, it's in existence. It's as if, if it were already completed. The king has a domain. The king operates in dominion. Well, you and I, 
as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. We were, we are created to exercise dominion. However, your dominion is closely associated with your tithing. You can gain or you can lose dominion by tithing or by failing to tithe or by not tithing. God said here in Malachi that these people had transgressed or had broken his ordinances and had entered into the category of God robbers and were actually robbing God, but a man can't actually rob God. We'll talk, maybe we'll talk about that in a little while. It'd be impossible for you to rob God. God's mightier than you are. But we're going to talk about this business of robbing God in just a little bit. But he said that, that they had done that, and as a result of doing that, he wasn't allowed to bless them. They had been cursed with a curse. The windows of heaven were closed. The devourer had been turned loose. They were not being blessed, and everything they tried together, it just seemed to be wasted away. Uh, is it the book of Haggai says that, that they would... They would uh, uh, prepare food, but yet they were still hungry. They would build houses, but didn't dwell in them. They would make and buy clothing for themselves, but yet they were still cold. And it said they were laboring and working and putting their money in bags with holes in it. It was like putting your money in a reservoir or a depository, and as fast as you put it in, it just ran right out the other side. Just like some people say, well, money always runs through my fingers. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to make that statement. It doesn't run through my fingers. It sticks to my hands and fills my pockets, praise God. And my bank account is running over, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't matter what the checkbook says. It's still there. We have enough and more than enough. Our dominion is directly related to our tithing and our confession over our tithe. So let's get this picture now that we must become a tither. Now dominion, we talked about last week, means to prevail against, to reign over, to rule over, to take possession of. Just let me ask you a question right up front. Let me ask you right now, are you prevailing in life or is life prevailing against you? Are you reigning in your domain or are the citizens of your domain beating you up every day? Are you the ruler in your area uh, uh, of, uh, of where God has placed you or are you the follower? Are you the, are you the tail and not the head? Well, the Bible says we ought to be the other way around. We should be the head and not the tail. Now, here, here's something I want to say to you. A tither, you as a tither, if you are a tither, you walk in a level of blessing and authority that non-tithers don't have. Non-tithers don't have the blessing and authority that you have. But people always complain against God. Now, God, Brother Hagin said God doesn't pay up every Saturday. You know, when you, when you have a job, you expect a, a payday, a certain time payday. In other words, if, 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 if Thursday's payday, you want your paycheck on Thursday. Well, God doesn't settle up like that. Not every Thursday. He doesn't have a regular day that he settles up. God is going to pay. But people complain against God and they say, well, why do I bother to tithe? I'm a tither and nothing is happening in my life. I'm bringing tithe and nothing is going on. Well, there's a reason for that, and we're going to talk about that under the characteristics of tithing. But listen to this. There's a scripture in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, that says, fret not thyself about the evildoers. Those that are doing evil seem to be blessed, and those that are doing good just seem to be getting by. But the Bible says that those evildoers will soon be cut down like the grass. 
They will dry up in the hot August sunshine, so to speak, because they have no root, they have no foundation. Your tithing is a foundation. Your tithing is a way whereby you get tied to the blessings of God. So as a tither, you walk in a level of blessing that a non-tither does not have. Now you can see that all through the Bible in, in the lives of different people, but I specifically here mentioned the life of Abraham. You can see that in the life of Abraham, how that as a tither, he was blessed. He always seemed to come out on top in his dealings with other people. And specifically or particularly, look at his dealing with Lot, his nephew. When, when the herdsmen became so large and, and so numerous that they couldn't function together, they decided to split and go in different directions. And Abram allowed Lot to make first choice. How many of you would be willing, if you saw good and you saw bad, and you were in business with somebody, how many of you would be willing to give that other person first option to take which side of the business he wanted? How many of you think that he would take the bad side? Not many, would they? I think Abram knew when he entered into this, when, when he allowed Lot to make the choice, I think he knew what Lot was going to do and I know he knew what God was going to do because he had already been tested. He had already been proven several times over. He had already seen how God always brought him to the top. He always, you know, you, you, you take a, uh, how many of you raised on a farm? Anybody raised on a farm? You ever milk any cows? And you take that fresh milk and you set it on the counter and leave it there for a little while. What, what happens? The cream always comes to the top, doesn't it? The best part, that rich part, is always on the top. And that weak, watered-down part is always down at the bottom. Well, you know, if the world just sets around long enough, guess what? You're coming to the top. You're going to end up on the top. You're going over and not under. Don't ever let the world tell you that you're going to be defeated, that you are defeated, that you are a loser. Because I want you to know the Bible says, God says, and that settled the issue, whether the world believes it or not, you are a winner and you're coming to the top. So you keep on tithing. You keep on giving. It may not look like anything is happening today, but God is going to settle up in the area of giving. He says in one place concerning giving, he says we ought to give to the poor because he said those that give to the poor does what? Lendeth to God. God, God, is go, he's, you've gone to, to lending to God. He said you will be a lender and not a borrower. God's become the borrower then, and you're lending to God. And he says, and I will repay. And God doesn't pay up in paper money that's backed by some man's word. He pays up in something that's backed by the treasure chest of heaven, and it will never, ever so don't let the world tell you that you're going down. When, when, you're, when you're giving and tithing, don't let the world tell you that that's all a mistake. But you see, Abram, he chose the, the better part. He looked down to the well-watered plain of where Sodom and Gomorrah was. He said, look at those big cities. Look at all of that green grass. Look at all of that water. My herds would just would fare sumptuously there. And me and my family could enter in and out of the city. And we could just get anything and everything. And we would be greatly blessed. But I want you to know who said it. Somebody, no, no. Somebody said the grass is always greener over the septic tank. So when he, when he saw that green grass, little did he know that if he had peeled it back, he would have seen some stinking stuff down there in that valley. 
But then, then, but then he, when he took all of that, he said, okay, Abram, all of this old Rocky Mountain up here belongs to you. There's just a little sprig of grass once in a while for your sheep. But Abram said, don't worry. That's more than enough for my herds. God will provide. God will take care of his own. So don't you worry about that. You just keep on tithing. You keep on giving. And you watch the cream come to the top before this thing is all over. When, when the dust settles, where are you going to be? On top. Praise God. Now, tithing positions you for prosperity. It gets you in a place, we read it here in the, well, we will read it in a minute in the book of Malachi. Tithing will position you for prosperity. Now, those that are prosperous seem to always be in authority. You understand what I'm saying? How many of you would be willing to take financial advice from a homeless person? None of you, would you? But you will listen to somebody who seems to be prosperous. Somebody who lives in a big house, drives a fancy car, wears, you know, great clothing, always keeps themselves looking nice and neat. You're willing to listen to that person because prosperity produces authority. You think whether, you know, that person is or not. You think that that person is, is walking in and exercising dominion simply because of prosperity. So tithing now is directly related to your dominion. Whether you are a tither or not is, will determine whether you walk in dominion or not. Now, you cannot control everything in this world by your personal means. As one individual, by your personal, physical, natural abilities, you cannot control everything in the world. However, you can control the money and possessions that God has given you. And the best place and the first place and the most important place to start is in tithing. So be sure you're bringing your tithe into the storehouse. You can present that tithe to God. And incidentally, it's not your tithe. It's God's tithe. It belongs to him. You can present the tithe to God. And by so doing, you're saying to him, Lord, you are still in control of my life. I'm still putting you number one in my life. You are declaring God's authority and ownership of all that you possess and you are establishing your stewardship over what God has put under your control. God still owns it. He's just given it to you as a steward over it, just like with Adam in the garden. He, plant, he placed Adam in the garden and gave him stewardship over all the earth. He didn't give Adam ownership. Had he given Adam ownership, when Adam transferred his authority or his dominion to Satan, then he would have transferred the ownership to Satan. But Satan does not own this earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It still belongs to God. Adam only had stewardship of it. He had dominion and he transferred that dominion over. He lost his dominion. He didn't lose the earth. He was still here. We still here in the earth. However, Jesus came and now we can regain that dominion. And tithing is an important part of that. Tithing does this. It always puts God first in your life. Whenever, wherever you put your money, that is where you will focus your time, your energy, and your attention. Money seems to speak to people. And when your money is in a certain place or a certain, you've invested in a certain thing, you're always eager. You're looking to see how that thing is doing. If you're investing in the stock market, you, you pick the paper up every day. And you see how that particular stock is going up or down. Because see, if it's going down, you're ready to jump ship sometimes, aren't you? But wherever your money is, that's where you place or you focus your attention, your time and your energy. 
tithing then, as I said, puts God first in your life. And by putting him first, that brings, and tithing, that brings control. That brings dominion back into your life. You get back in control of things. So here's the statement. If you feel that you don't have control or you don't have, con uh, have dominion, consider this fact whether or not you are presenting your tithe to God. Go back and question. Go back and, and look and see how you've been doing in that particular area. So we're going to talk about tithing today, if you had not figured that out already. Okay, tithing, characteristics of the tithe. There are three main characteristics of the tithe, and I want to give them to you. Now we'll discuss each one of them just a little bit. The very first one is that tithing or a tithe is a tenth. One tenth. The word tithe means a tenth. If you look it up in your Strong's Concordances and uh, Bible dictionaries and, and even in Webster's dictionaries, and look, you look up the word tithe and you're going to find, you, after you read all that gobbledygook, it's going to boil down to the fact that it is 10%. So it is 10% of your income or 10% of your increase. How God has blessed you, your tithe becomes 10% of that. I've heard people say, well, I tithe 15%. I tithe 18%. I beg to differ with them. They're not doing that. They are tithing 10% and they're giving a 5% offering. They, they, they need to get it in the right perspective because tithing does one thing and offering does another thing. So it's how you present your tithe to God and the confession you make over your tithe that determines whether or not the windows of heaven are open for you. So when you're tithing, the tithe is always 10% Nothing wrong with you giving 15%. Thank God for those that can and thank God for those that do and those that give 20% and 25% because this is the thing that keeps the kingdom of God moving forward. The money that comes in pays all of this stuff around here, the light bill, the, uh, you know, and the and everything that's needed for this ministry to function, the money that comes into the general fund and your tithe is part of that. And your offering is part of that. So if you're doing 15%, thank God for you and keep on doing 15%, but make the confession, make the tithing confession over your 10% and make the offering confession over your other 5%. Because the tithe, get this, I like to put it this way because when, when all of the scriptures are boiled down in the, in the Old Testament, it says, that bring all the tithe into the storehouse and I will open the windows of heaven for you. In the New Testament it says, give, this is talking about offerings, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men heap unto your bosom. Here's what I like. I put it all again. I said, tithing opens the windows of heaven and offering pushes the blessings out. Offering pushes the blessings out. So you have to have tithing and you have to have offerings. Every tithe should have an offering attached to it. Now you make that determination, what that offering is going to be. Let every man purpose in his own heart. Let every man make that decision himself. But there is no decision to be made about the tithe. You should never pray and ask God, how much should I tithe? Never pray that. Never ask God. Never go to your pastor. Never go to a minister. Never go to a, a Bible teacher and say, how much should I tithe? Now, the only time I want you to come to me and ask that is if you're in that uh, category that cannot calculate. If you don't know how to multiply, then you come to me. I had, a, I had an employee. Now, you know, this is hilarious in one sense of the word, but then again, it's pitiful that the man didn't have any more sense than this. 
He called me one day. And you know, when, when, when we were making deliveries to places, we did what I, what's called a tally. You know what a tally is, don't you? You get a sheet of paper and you, and you start counting. You go one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. You're making these tallies. One, two, three, four, five. He called in. He said, he said, Mr. Williams, I want you to help me add something up here. I want you to help me figure something out. I said, okay, what do you got? He said, get your calculator. Now, you're going to need your calculator. I said, okay, I got it right here on my desk. He said, put in five. I punched in five. He said, now multiply it by 10. I said, help you, Jesus. So if you're in that category, if you are in that category, come to see me. Otherwise, don't come and say, how much should I tithe? What percentage should I tithe? It's always a tenth. It's always 10% of whatever it is your increase or 10% of your income. Now, this tithe that we're talking about is the foundation of your financial success. Because God says in the Bible that by not tithing, you come under a curse. But by tithing, you are released from the curse. Your finances are set free from the curse of the law. He says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will rebuke the devourer. So tithing becomes your financial success. It provides protection for your finances. Go back to the book of Malachi. I want you to see this. Now, we're talking about it, already talked about it, but let's go look at it in God's Word. It's always better to see what God says than to hear what somebody else said. The central verse in the Bible, the verse is right smack dab in the middle of the Bible. Psalms 118 verse 8 says it's better to trust God than to put confidence in man. So God took that trust me business and, and put the whole Bible all the way around him. Well, here we go. In Malachi chapter 3 verse number 11, tithing provides protection for your finances. He says as a tither... For you, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. So God says, if you are a tither, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. You mean, Brother Williams, I have to tithe? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Yeah, but I don't like that. I, you know what? I, I, I like the blessings of God, but I don't care much about this tithing business. Well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just tear it out of the Bible and get rid of it. Why don't we do that? Throw it over in the trash can. Just tear it right out of the Bible. And you just don't have that part no more, you see. I didn't tear the Bible, sister. I didn't. No, that, look, it was a sheet of paper, sister. Man, I thought she was coming up here to get me. <laughs> you don't think I would do that, do you? <laughs> but it is the foundation of everything that you build your finances on. Now, when you tithe, you are positioning yourself to receive. You are getting in a place where God can bless you. You're not robbing God. You see, you, you have become, now, now I said a while ago, you can't rob God. You see, there's only two ways that you can rob somebody. One, you rob them by force. Secondly, you rob them by deceit. You know, you walk up to somebody with a gun or with a hammer and you say, if you don't give me all you got, I'm going to bust your head in. That's force. You can't do that to God because God is mightier than you are. Yeah. You know, God would just simply flick his little finger 
and you'd fall to the ground. You'd, it'd be over for you. You can't rob by deceit. When people that rob by deceit embezzle, you know, they, they go in and they get money and nobody knows it's happening. Well, you can't do that with God because of his omniscience. He knows everything. So you can't rob God, can you? But, he, but yet he said, you've robbed me. What had they robbed God of? What are people robbing God of when they hold back the tithe? They are robbing him of the blessing or the privilege of blessing them. You see, they are tying up the hands of God and God can't move in their behalf. And that's robbing him because, you see, he delights. He delights in the prosperity of his children. He delights in the happiness of his children. He delights in the fact that you get all of the good things in life. But when you hold back the tithe, you are tying his hands up and he is robbed in the sense of the word that he cannot bless you. Because the windows of heaven are closed and the devourer is loose and rampant on the scene. Now, when you become a tither, you put yourself in that position to receive the windows of heaven are opened. According to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now here with, said Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. So God is going to open up the windows of heaven when you become a tither. And that, and, in, and, and, and we've already talked about it, but he ties right to that protection. So he says, when I open the windows of heaven, and when you begin to receive the blessing, the devourer's not going to come in and steal it away from you. He's not coming. You know these people that win the lottery, that they're so afraid that somebody's going to come and steal it that they change their telephone numbers. Some of, them even, some of them even move to another location. Some of them get lawyers or attorneys to go collect the money for them. Because they don't want people to know their identity because they are afraid that somebody's going to come in and steal all the blessing away. Well, God says, if I bless you, if you are a tither and I bless you, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to keep people from stealing it from you as well. Amen. I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. For your sake. Now, the devourer comes in many, many different forms. I heard a story about an elderly lady one time that she had, she had been rather sick for several years and just couldn't seem to make ends meet. She was always paying the doctor here, paying the doctor there. And she heard this message of tithing and rebuking the devourer. So she became, decided to become a tither. And she started paying her tithe for an entire year. She paid tithe. At the end of that year, she began to pray and ask God, well, God, I have paid tithe this whole year. And my bank account is no larger today than it was the day that I started, a year ago. And God spoke back in her spirit and said, but tell you what you do. Go back and look. How many times have you been to the doctor this year? Not one time. Now, she had been hundreds of times the year prior to that. But after becoming a tither, she didn't have to go in at all. What's happening? The devourer is being rebuked. You see? The devourer, he comes in many different shapes and sizes and, and colors and, you know, and such as that. And he'll come in to steal the money that God's placing in your hand. So, the devourer being rebuked. Now, the second thing about the tithe, it is the first tenth. It's the first tenth. God should always be first in your life. Never last, not even second. But God has to be first if you're going to enjoy everything that God has. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse number 3, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In other words, I want to be first. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I want you to know that includes money. Because money can become a god. 
people worship money more so than they do God in some cases. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Let's go see what that says. I got it written down for some reason. Do you know why I wrote it down? Anybody know? You don't? Well, we're going to go find out. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon doesn't just mean money. Mammon is the spirit that's behind the money. It's this world's system of greed. Gimme, 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 take, 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 heap unto me, heap unto me. Mammon is this world's system. Mammon says take, God says give. You see, uh, mammon says, says, right, contrary, it's the exact opposite of everything that God stands for and everything that God wants you to do with your money and how he wants to work in your life. So mammon is not just necessarily money. Somebody misquoted the scripture one time, said that money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil because it takes money to advance the kingdom of God in some areas. Pastor would not be going to the Congo if we didn't have the money to send him there. You can't walk down here to the airline place and say, give me a ticket. Here's my faith. <laughs> you know, that, they're not going to honor. You have faith, but the world doesn't have faith. They want to see money. So money is not the root of all evil. It is the love of money. It's this idea of mammon that is behind all of this. It's the spirit of this world. It's the spirit of greed that has, that has taken over the world and it's robbing people of the blessings of God. Now you should always get this. You should always write your tithe check first. As soon as you get your paycheck, as soon as you recognize your increase, God's money should come right off the top. Now, now, if you don't operate a checking account, if you just go to the bank and cash your check and you have cash money, before you do anything else with it, you should count out God's tithe right then. And how much is the tithe? Anybody know? 10%. 10%. Now, 10% of $500 is not $5. That's 1%. Just in case you don't know how to do your decimal system, you know. It's very easy to do 10%. All you have to do, $500, there's a decimal implied at the end of that second zero. All you have to do is take your pencil, put it at the end of that second zero, and go to the left, one zero, bap, and put a point, and it becomes $50. But some people say, well, my pencil slipped. And it goes over here to $5. Now, you're laughing. You're laughing. But there are people... You ready for this? In this room that live on $50 a year. You believe that? No, they're just not tithers. People say, well, I'm tithing, I'm tithing, I'm tithing. And you get the offering envelope and you look in it and there's $3 in it. I'm tithing. You look in it and there's $5. I'm tithing. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, you're not even giving an offering. Because it doesn't become an offering until the tithe has been paid. Until the tithe has been brought, it's not an offering. You know what you're doing? You just will not even give. You're flushing it. As far as the benefit to you is concerned, 
Nothing is happening in your life other than the fact that the devourer is rampant. He's been set loose. And if you want him to be tied up, get back to becoming a tither. Take that pencil and put it at the end and move it one place. Don't move it two. Just move it one place. So, so $50 is the tithe on $500. And always do it first. The order in which you do things will affect your attitude. Now, attitude is important when it comes to tithing. When it comes to giving, attitude is important. The Bible says God does what? Loveth a cheerful giver. He doesn't care about the, he, he doesn't pay much attention to those people that are grumbling and complaining. Well, I'm tithing, but I don't know why. I'm just doing it because the pastor said I had to. That's the wrong attitude to have. That's the wrong attitude to have. I am tithing because I'm worshiping God with my money. God has blessed me and I'm so thankful for it and I'm bringing his tithe back to him because I love him and because I'm worshiping him. The attitude, all, the attitude will affect uh, what you, uh, the outcome. Now we just said God loveth a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is hilaros, H-I-L-A-R-O-S and it means merry, it means prompt, it means willing. So not only are they happy to give, but they're prompt to give. They're willing to give. Now, promptness. Let's talk about promptness for just a second. If you get paid weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y, not W-E-A. I know a lot of people think you get paid weekly, very weekly. But if you get paid weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y, then how should you tithe? Weekly. Weekly. If you get paid monthly, you should tithe monthly. Don't say, well, you know, God, I, I'm getting paid once a week. But you know, every six months, I'm going to kind of calculate. I'm going to settle up every six months. No, 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 no. You have robbed God for six months. You've robbed him for six months. And then when you do pay up, it's going to take some repenting at the end of that six months when you begin to bring that tithe back. So do it regularly. Do it promptly. Do it as you are paid. Now, here's what the, the Spirit-filled Bible says about that thing, God loveth a cheerful giver, or, or, and that word hilaros. The Spirit-filled life, spirit life Bible says, it is a spirit of enjoyment in giving that sweeps away all restraints. In other words, I'm so excited about giving, nothing else is going to matter. It doesn't matter that the house payment is due. It doesn't matter that the, the, the gas gauge on the car is bumping against the E. It doesn't matter. Because this is God's money, and we're going to bring it to God first. And I am so excited about giving. I'm so in such anticipation of seeing what God is going to do next in my life that all restraint, all care, all worry has been pushed aside. And it doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to do what God says do. Now, here's the third characteristic. The tithe must be administered by someone else. The tithe must be ministered by someone else. How many of you know that you don't tell the pastor and the church officials or the church governing body or whatever how to spend the tithe? You don't do that. You don't tell the pastor how to spend the tithe. God wants to free you from selfishness, you see. It, it, once that money has been, it's God's money, and once it's been placed in the church, it really, the, the, pardon the expression, it is none of your business how it is spent. Because it doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to God, and the pastor, the minister, is the representative of God, and God will deal with him if he's making a mistake. 
Just like God's going to deal with you if you fail to bring the tithe. So God wants to free you from sin. As long as, long as you tell the pastor, as long as you can tell the church how to spend the money, you still have your greedy little fingers on that money. Still, you're still greedy. You're still holding on to it and still trying to control it. You don't bring your tithe and on the, in your market tithe, spend this for so and so and so and so. You can't do that. People often ask me, now, 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 now it goes a little further than the Bible. It spills over into the secular world. People come in and they come to my office sometimes and say, Brother Williams, I want to give a check. Uh, here's, here's a check. I'm going to give $100 for this check. Would you uh, give me credit on the uh, giving section? I've got my envelope filled out. Here's my number and everything on it. Would you, would you run this through the church books and would you give it to Brother so-and-so as an offering from me? You know what? The IRS even frowns on that. The IRS says, I can't do that. Because you see, it's not given as long as you have control over it. Now that's their rule, that's their regulation, just like it's God's regulation. See, see, they were smart enough to pick up on that. See, because you haven't relinquished control, so it hasn't become a gift. So what if you want to, so what if you want to give somebody money? Just go give it to them. Don't bother me with it. You just take it and go give it to that person and have it over said and done with and just consider it as lending to God and let God do the repaying. And do it with the right attitude, too, you see. So, until you turn it loose, you still have control. If you haven't turned it loose, you're still in control. Now, God wants us to recognize that the minister is his representative. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. Well, I don't know about you, but I get excited about this stuff. Hebrews chapter 7. Verse number 8. It says, and here, and I underline here, Men that die receive tithe, but there, and I underline there, he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. So the men he's talking about here that are receiving tithe, if you back up into this scripture, read it, it's the Levites, it's the ministers. They are receiving the tithe. The people are bringing the tithe to a person, to a human being. They're bringing God's tithe to a human being. And, and somebody said, well, is that New Testament? Well, this verse right here tells me it's New Testament because that's why I underlined here and there. Now, where is here? Where is here? Here is right here. If I say, well, we are here, we're not over there. We're here. Well, see, here, men that die receive the tithe. At this particular time, right now, but there, he received them of whom it is written that lived, that lived. Abraham lived back there. Abraham gave tithes back there. So their tithe was given in the Old Testament. And here in the New Testament, tithe is still being given. It's just as much uh, uh, an ordinance of God today as it was then. So don't ever say that tithing was closed up when the Old Covenant was closed, when the Old Covenant was replaced with the New. Well, Jesus said he didn't replace it. He came to fulfill it. He didn't do away with it. He came to be a fulfillment of that which was in the old. And when Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek, Jesus came to fulfill that. And now men give tithe to the Lord Jesus Christ through the representative of the minister, just like then they gave it through the Levite. Just like then. Now the tithe, even though it's a physical human being who receives it, you are physically bringing your tithe or spiritually bringing your tithe to God. Physically, you're giving it to a man, but spiritually, you're giving it to God. Okay, now the basis 
for your financial freedom is your tithing. It opens an avenue of provision and opens an avenue of protection. Back in Malachi chapter 3, we've already read all of that. So you can go back and look at it again if you want to. It says in Malachi chapter 3, in verse number, I believe it's verse 10, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Bring. I like that word bring. Now that word bring implies to carry, to follow, or to go with. <coughs> to carry it to the storehouse, you follow it to the storehouse, or you go with it to the storehouse. So that tells me again that men, women, ought to be attending church or church services. You are the church, you know, the body of Christ. But you ought to be attending the place where the church meets. And when you do, he says to bring your tithe, to bring all of the tithe into the storehouse. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Go back to Deuteronomy 26. And let's look at uh, verse number 1. And it shall come to pass when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possess it and dwellest therein, thou shalt take of the first fruit of the earth. Take it right off the top. The first stuff that comes in, you take that. Which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord hath blessed thee and thou shalt put it in a basket and thou shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name and thou shalt go unto the priest, unto the man of God, that shall be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God, that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto the Father. And the priest shall take the basket out of thy hand and set it before the altar of the Lord. So the person is bringing the tithe, giving it to a man, and the man is presenting it to God on behalf of that individual. So as you physically bring your tithe to a minister, to the pastor, you are spiritually giving to God himself. You are presenting it to God. Now God told Israel to bring the tithe to the place where his name dwells. You, you, we just read that, didn't he? Thou shalt go, he said, he said uh, 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 go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name. So now in, in uh, in that particular day, it was the tabernacle where the priest performed the daily duties, you know, before God. In, in the New Testament, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Acts, and, you know, uh, Romans, long and out, it was uh, the temple in Jerusalem. They always sent the tithe to Jerusalem. You look, a lot of times in the epistles, you see how that the gathering was made and someone was chosen, someone was selected from that body to carry the gift to the church in Jerusalem, to the church. So, so that's where God had chosen to place his name. Now today we know, we already know, that you and I, we are temples of the Lord. God dwells in us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple? Don't you know that God dwells in you? The Godhead resides in you. So you are the place where God dwells. Does that mean you bring your tithe to yourself? Well, no, because back in the book of Malachi, it said we have a storehouse. We have a place where we eat spiritual food, a place where uh, we receive our spiritual food. That word is not fool. That was a, that's a typographical error. You change that L to an F and you'll be, you'll be cool. So God changed, uh, changed that around and, and it's a place where we receive spiritual food. 
that place, of course, is the local church where we hear the word preached. Now, some people think that they should send a portion of their tithe, or maybe even all of their tithe, to some television evangelist, or, or you know, or some a radio speaker, or something like that. But if you are fed in a local church, that is where your tithe belongs. And look, I almost shouted it out, all of your tithe. All of it, because God said bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Don't let any man tell you that that's too much money to be given to one church. They don't know what to do with it. They can't handle it. What is he saying? He's saying we're smarter than God. We know how to administer the tithe. We're smarter than God. God said bring all of it to the storehouse. Bring it where you receive your spiritual food so that the next time you come, there will be meat on the table for you to eat, spiritual meat, spiritual food for you to eat. So don't let anybody tell you that now that you have become successful in life and you're making these uh, tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars, that that's too much money. Nobody, no man needs a $50,000 tithe gift. Well, first of all, it's not a gift. It's an obligation. You're bringing your tithe back to God. God says this is a must. You have to do it. You don't have any other choice. So don't let them tell you to split it up. Send some of it over here and some of it over there. You're not tithing again. You're not tithing. You're wasting your time. If you split it up, bust it up, and send a little dab here and a little dab there, you think you're doing something good, but you're going contrary to the Word of God. And there's a payday coming. What did he say? They'll soon be cut down like the grass. So here, here, here we go. Now y'all know where I go to lunch at. If you eat at Burger King, you don't go down to Wendy's and pay. Or if you eat at Bojangles, you don't go down to Kentucky Fried Chicken and try to pay. You pay where you eat, don't you? Ladies, you don't go to one grocery store and fill the basket up, and when you get to the checkout, they tell you, well, that, that's uh, $75. You say, okay, just put it in the car. I'm going, going over here to this other place and, and, and leave the money over there. You don't do that, do you? You pay where you eat. So bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Don't let anybody tell you to send it somewhere else. Don't let anybody tell you, well, give it to me. I'm, you know, um, your tithe doesn't belong to brother so-and-so. Your tithe belongs to God. I wish people could get that straight. You know, you know, I'm often amazed. I've told you this before. If you've been in the sanctuary, and, you, and I know you have, I'm often amazed. This, this church does good on tithing. Don't, don't misunderstand me. About 53, 54% of the people are tithers. At least say they're tithers. I probably could boil that down. You know, if I saw your income tax statement, we probably could get that down to about 20%. Because there's some 5 and $10 and $15 and $20 givers, you know, in that, in that 53, 54%. That means that the other 46, 47% aren't doing anything. You see, half the people are carrying the load. Now that's far, far above national average. National average is about 11 or 12% of, of church goers. So, so you see, you're doing good. But what could we accomplish for God if we could get that other 46 or 47% to become tithers? What could we accomplish for God? Well, you know what happened? In the book of Acts, it said when they all were in one accord, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled all that. Wouldn't it be great one day? We're just sitting here and everybody get in one accord and become a tither. And all of a sudden we hear, and the place filled with fire and smoke and everybody jump up and start speaking in tongues and running and shouting and having a big time. 
Wouldn't that be great? Well, it, it could very well happen if everybody would get in one accord. But just think, though, on the other hand, if we do what we do with that 53%, what could be accomplished here for God if we had all of the tithe? All of the tithe. Well, now, let's, let's go a little bit further. Tithing is worship. When you bring your tithe, you're worshiping God. Worshiping God is more than going to church and just singing songs. We don't just get up and do praise and worship, and that's the end of it. Tithing is worship. Worship, you see, becomes a lifestyle. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So as you are, now reasonable service is translated a spiritual act of worship, which is your reasonable service, which is a spiritual act of worship. I will increase whether it's money or whether it's possessions, represents a part of our lives. We've invested our time. We've invested our energy, all of our resources in certain areas. And here we have an increase coming back. Our lives are growing or increasing. Our life, you see, is being blessed. So whatever, however how it comes back, that represents part of your life. So when you tithe, you are worshiping God in actuality with your life. Because, you see, you've been out all week working. You've been out all week expecting. You've been out all week believing that something good is going to happen to you. And when it does, and you're blessed, and you receive the blessing, you just pull God's part right off the top, and you bring it, and you worship God with it. You're worshiping Him with your life. By keeping the commandments of God, uh, remember now, you're positioning yourself to be blessed of God. You're not robbing God. You have released His hands and now he is in a position to bless you. Now Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 through 4 talks about keep all of the commandments that I give you this day so that blessings will do what? Will overtake you. Blessings should be chasing you every day of your life. And every once in a while you ought to start walking a little slower so they can catch up with you. Don't outrun the blessing. Just kind of slow up a little bit and let the blessing catch you. When, when I go to Lowe's with Donald, uh, sometime we're going out shopping, I have to run to keep up with him. You know, I'm going like this, just jogging, and he's just pushing the car along. Donald, slow up so, to, so I can catch up with you. So I will bless him, see, so just jogging along behind us, trying to catch up. Just slow up and let that blessing catch up with you once in a while. He says, if you will keep all the commandments. Now, what were the commandments he was talking about? Let's go look at it. De uh, Deuteronomy chapter 26. See, if you, when, when you read something in the Bible, you ought to read all around it. Read the context all around it. See what he's talking about. He's talking about tithing when he's talking about these ordinances because that's what he had just been talking about. Back in 26, verse number 11. Thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee and unto thy house, thou and the Levites and the stranger that is among you, when thou hast made an end of the tithing of the tithes of thine increase. So he's talking about tithing. When you tithe when the, of thine increase the third year, which is the year of tithing. So apparently they settled up on the third year. But in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 2, it, Paul says this to the Corinthians, if every man would lay by in store on the first day of the week as God has blessed him, there would be no need for gathering when I come. So he is simply saying this, God's system works and God wants you to settle up weekly 
on the first day of the week, if you would bring to God the tithe as he has blessed you, there would be no need for additional gathering when I come. So if, if we could go back to this concept of 100% tithers, when we have a guest speaker to come in, other than the fact that we're giving you the opportunity to bless that man or that woman of God, there would be no need to gather money. When we get ready to do the Christmas party, other than the fact that we want you to invest a little bit of your life in that party, there would be no need to sell tickets because there would be enough in the storehouse of God to take care of all the needs. The apostle said, if all of you would bring the tithe, the tenth, the one tenth, the first tenth, on the first day of the week, as God hath blessed or prospered you, there would be no need for additional gathering. There would be enough. There's a message in that for the federal government, too. Amen. Praise God. We need to get to this flat. I like flat tax. I, I like for everybody to carry their fair share. And now in doing this, you're positioning yourself again. Provision and protection are yours when you tithe. The, now, now th this is where we're going to end. The tithe is a declaration of your independence from the world's financial system. You are declaring your dependence on God and your independence from the world. You're trusting in God to meet every need in your life, and you're not looking to the world for anything. You are releasing yourself from the control of the enemy. Let's all stand up, and we're going we're gonna to recite this together, and then we're going to go. You ready? Say this out loud. I'm free, I'm free. from the world's financial system. The world's financial system. I, don't I don't care what inflation does. What I don't, care I don't care what the stock market does. Stock market. My, money, my money, my possessions, my possessions are, not by the world are not controlled by the world system. I always have enough, always have enough. And, more and more than enough. When I bring the tithe, bring the tithe I'm telling the devil I'm, telling the devil, I'm free from his control. From his control. I, now I now have dominion over him, over him. and all that represent him. I operate, I operate under, God's under God's financial system. Therefore, Therefore I'm, above I'm above and not beneath. And not beneath. I'm, the I'm the head and not the tail. Not the tail. I'm, a I'm a lender and not a borrower. Not a borrower. And blessings, blessings are, always are always overtaking me. Okay. Well, if you believe that, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, next week, we're going to talk about offerings. And we're going to see how offerings affect your financial uh, success. And I'm telling you, it's good. Amen. It's good. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I tore that page out of the Bible. I saw y'all over there. What? Let me see what you got there. God said in Corinthians, yeah, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 2. Is that what I said? Let's, let's go. Let me make sure now. Oh. Uh.